Welcome to 3 at 8 and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer and Joe Shell. A big win and big losses. Syracuse wins big 48-7. to Joe, for two weeks in a row, you and I underballed what Syracuse would do, uh, both offensively and defensively. Defense held Western Michigan only seven. Offense outperformed what we expected. And overall, a good day for Syracuse as the Orange roll to 2-0 and uh, over another overmatched opponent. But I think they did it in a way that still made you feel good. But two big losses. Aronde Gadsden went down in the first drive, came back out on the sideline in a walking boot and with crutches. And then David Wollabaugh Jr., uh, the offensive tackle transfer from Kentucky, who even got mentioned after the Colgate game by Dino Babers, was really a bright spot in that O-line, uh, goes off, could not put any uh, weight on one of his feet, and then also was on the sideline in the second half in uh, crutches. So uh, big losses there, uh, concerning as you still have 10 games to go, um, and you just hope that that depth that we've talked about kind of comes into place. But still overall, a big win for Syracuse. Garrett Schrader had a big day, 286 yards and a touchdown. Ten different receivers got catches. Donovan Brown leading the way with 89 yards. Isaiah Jones, another good day, 86 yards. Uh, Overall, a big W, and that was good to see. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that we sold the team short for the first two weeks, but it's not that we were being conservative or stingy with our predictions by any means. They've just been that dominant so far, and we're still waiting for a, a real test of this team, but doing what they've done thus far to anybody is, you know, slightly impressive. Still, still not at the point where we're firing up the hype train or anything, but there are, there are reasons to be optimistic. And the fact that we have one play we can complain about two games into the year, really one play. Yeah. Maybe the second penalties, maybe some penalties are, are still a problem, but that's, doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon but one one play one lapse and otherwise we've been pretty uh pretty flawless to to say the least i don't want to jinx us or anything but you have to like what you've seen so far and uh, i'm excited for the game against purdue coming up i think we're going to learn a lot about who this team really is we really are. I mean, this is – we knew the first two weeks um, the expectations would be high, uh, that Syracuse could could get real off two big wins, and they did that. And they did more than that, to be honest. Um, just to put this into context, it's the most uh, Syracuse scored in back-to-back games since the 2018 season. It is the largest margin over teams in back-to-back weeks combined since 1959, the national title team, 106 points. Um, being the difference uh, between <laughs> Syracuse and, and the two teams they just beat. Um, you know, I, I, I looked at this game, and, and as I watched it back, you know, I, you saw yet again for a second straight week, Schrader going to a lot of different receivers, and I think that's going to be really important. That's what we talked about it, before it, the year started. Yeah, it really keeps the defense off balance because, yeah, you can cover one guy, but he can just as easily go to somebody else. And that happened all this game without Aronde because Aronde went down in the first drive. So it's not like they were covering him close. You know, They're going to Donovan Brown, Isaiah Jones, Amari Hatcher, Daryl Gill Jr. I mean, they, he spread it 
all around and yeah in a, in a weird way it might be a good thing for schrader to have to weather hopefully it doesn't last for multiple games but to weather this storm without gadsden because he's in a situation right now where the defense doesn't really know who to focus on they don't have a guy but when gadsden is in the game they know who they have to focus a majority of their attention on and no matter how much attention they pay him we know schrader's still looking his way first and foremost and forcing a lot of throws his way so yep. and this may be actually helpful for his development as a as a passer. Yeah, it really could be. And and overall, I think this is uh, this is a team. I mean, here's here's my thing as I look at this. Uh, you can win big, and then you can win looking the way they have. I mean, no matter who it's against, they look good. I mean, they do. They without look, dipping into the playbook yet. Yeah, right. They look legitimately good. You know, yeah, I agree. We can't get too high on the hype train yet. We'll learn a lot this week. But Matt, but- I do want to say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna list a few college football teams, and one of these things will not be like the other. Okay. Oklahoma, Syracuse, Ole Miss, Oregon, Florida State, USC, and Penn State. That points in the first two weeks or yards. Those are the only teams in the country right now averaging fifty points a game. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's nice. It's and and Garrett Schrader has the second most rushing touchdowns in the country of any quarterback over the last cup of, of all the starting quarterbacks career behind only Bo Nix at Oregon. I mean Syracuse is in some pretty good company right now. We got we got a team of, of good players and, and guys who can make things happen. I, I think what has been most reassuring for me uh, so far this season is that yes Schrader looks healthy and he's using his legs but he's not using his legs in the same way that he's tended to in his career and that's typically we would have seen over the last couple of years Schrader locks on to his top target it's either there or it's not there and he forces it or it's really not there and he tucks it and runs but now he's running to buy time to let things develop in the secondary and let his receivers run longer routes and more complicated routes. And he's buying time with his legs, partly because he needs to because the offensive line isn't giving him time in the pocket to let these more complicated plays develop. But he's rolling out and running to buy time, not immediately running to try to get the first down with his feet, but buying time for his receivers and they're doing a good job getting open in that extra time. And that that's something that, you know, I hate to say it, but if this is what the offensive line looks like against this competition, while there is time for them to, to gel and the coaches to find the right personnel and the right combination and for them to improve, the fact is we are going to face defenses that are going to give them real, real trouble this year. And our only hope to stay in those games is going to be Schrader continuing to keep his eyes downfield while moving with his legs and, and buying time. And the concern of course, is you don't want Schrader to get hit too much either. Um, and that's, and, the, but then that's with the way he's doing it right now. Sure. He's taken a couple of hits that we wish he wouldn't have, but because he's not just immediately tucking it and running, he's rolling out, buying time and still throwing downfield. And that's been great for the offense. Yeah. He's keeping his eyes downfield and that's really important. And that's a good sign I, you know, I, I, and I'll say this. I mean, I, you watch back the game. There are 
plays where the offensive line does let the defense throw. And there's real concerns. I also didn't think it was as bad as everybody thought it was. Like, there's still times where the pocket was actually there, but Schrader rolling out <laughs> led to everybody following him, and sure. there was more people on him that would have been if he just stayed in place. So, But that touchdown pass to Brown, I mean, that was all Schrader. Oh, yeah. Rolled out all the way to the sideline, used all the real estate he had, and then and still found his guy. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we kind of look at this, I mean, you know, obviously very successful the first two weeks. We're seeing it go to everybody. I, just to kind of touch on this line one more time. I mean, what, what, I mean, I, I think they just in general, I mean, they just need to gel, right? They need to be able to, you, you can't be letting a guy through every time. And the fact is you still have a couple guys coming back from, from what we believe are injuries. Kalen Ellis and Joe Moore are going to be available this week. And, and those are guys who were uh, in the competition for starting jobs during camp. So yeah. you figure they slide in and it may not be much of a drop off. And in the long run, it may be improve, an improvement, but losing the guy who's played the strongest so far is, is not what you want to see right now. And I don't, I don't know that he's going to play this year. Oh, well, I don't, I, I, I look bad. And done. the fact that Babers has already, already in the post game been pretty open about that. It's going to be a while. I'm hopeful that Gadsden's injury isn't as severe as it looked. A lot of the, you know, the crutches and the boot, a lot of that can be precautionary. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear that he doesn't have a high ankle sprain. It's going to keep him out six, seven weeks. Yeah. I, you know, obviously he's going to miss time. I don't expect to see him this weekend, but. No. If um, we can but I also that... don't think they need him. And, no, and we'll we just need him that. back for the gauntlet of the, of the schedule. But, yeah. you know, these are games we can win without him. Yes. It will be better for us against stiffer competition learning how to win these games without him. Uh let me let me uh throw uh, some props though to a guy. How about Jawan Price? I mean, I know running wasn't really our thing in this game, but he had 68 yards. He got he, I don't know if I know he didn't play a lot before, but to me he looks like he's really bulked up. He's a big strong back. Yeah. And and that's good to see. I mean, it it's like you said preseason, Joe. Jawan Price is a guy who started in an FBS program. He was at New Mexico State. He was their lead back, and uh, you know he might have won himself some more playing time. He uh, was the running time. game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously touchdowns are what matters, but you look at the numbers and uh, LaQuint mm-hmm. Allen didn't didn't really have much. He didn't really get a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't really hand it to him at all. Um, Syracuse was very reliant on the pass. Now there is a thing: if if you're too reliant on the pass, then you're going to see defenses back up. Now, sure. granted. That could open up the running game simultaneously. So um, it'll be interesting to see what teams do. I assume Purdue is going to come out Saturday with a game plan to have your secondary back and trying to make sure the receivers don't get past you, which was the big problem Western Michigan had, and making sure that, uh, you know, trying trying to be ball hawks a bit. Can you create some turnovers and stuff? Sure. Because Syracuse's running game really didn't look great on no, Saturday. That's that's what I was gonna say. What I'm gonna be looking for on Saturday evening is I want to see us establish the run early, and I think that will be key to open up some things for Schrader. But we we need to get LaQuint Allen going early for some 
some chunk gains and, and yeah. give him some room to run. I, uh, I I think that that's really the way this is going to have to go for us to really get an offense that's going to gel against some tougher competition. Because really, like you said, we we leaned on the on the pass and um, very heavily. And you know, the, we're Purdue's they may be down a little bit, but they're still a, a Big Ten team and they're a roster of Big Ten talent. And our receivers aren't going to be able to run past their secondary like they did against Western Michigan. And you know, I think that's okay. I think Schrader is actually a better quarterback finding guys over the middle in traffic than he is necessarily a, a deep ball guy. Yeah, and, and I'll put this out there for what it's worth. Schrader's pretty decent knock on wood on the road. Compared to some Syracuse teams in the past have really struggled on the road, Garrett Schrader's actually done a pretty good job in harsh environments, and I think some of that goes to having played a little bit in the SEC. Yeah. The, the one thing I, I did want to bring up that may be painted as a negative, but it's really just an observation of Garrett Schrader thus far, but I feel like, keeping in mind that he's had off-season elbow surgery, I feel like the velocity on his, his passes are down, and to me, noticeably down, just even watching on television so far. And I think that culminates in, you've seen the timing on a lot of simple plays be off where Schrader's throwing the ball behind his receivers in a way that really makes it tough for them to catch the ball or to get any yards after the catch. And to me, it seems like the timing is right. I think he's throwing it with the same timing that he always has. I think his ball is just coming out a little slower Yeah. and that that could improve with time or that may be Garrett Schrader's arm now. And, and that is something that is a little concerning to me. I know, you know, the numbers show that he's been playing pretty well and the, you know, the eye test shows he's been playing pretty well, but that's the one thing that I thought stood out that might be mildly concerning. Yeah. Let's flip to the defense because I'll be honest. I, I think there were questions about the D line and things like that. I have no questions. I, I, I honestly have very few questions. Yes. They played weaker competition, but they did exactly. They outperformed what I thought they would do both times. I look at them and I think they are going to be just fine mm-hmm. against. It's a lot of guys contributing too. That's I, what I like yeah. the most. It's a lot of guys. Yeah. Like I look at this game against Purdue. I even look at the gauntlet. I'm not super worried about the defense. Um, I think, yeah, I think they're going to have trouble with Florida state. Cause I think everybody's going to have trouble with Florida state, but I look at them and I, I think they're one of the better defenses in the country period. I mean, I just, they, they have played unbelievably well. I mean, Isaiah Johnson had nine tackles. Marlowe had seven. Miles Farmer had six. I mean, everybody contributed. Which, yeah. Miles Farmer, I think, has been with the team like three months. Yeah. Yeah. So good for him for getting out there already. I mean, we know he's a talented kid, and he's going to he's gonna start here one day. But yeah, and, and he's, he has had, not been with the team long. He was a late transfer. Yeah, and then he had a pick six. He had a pick six for the second straight week. Uh, they look like a top 25 defense or better. And I, yes, teams like Purdue uh, are going to score more against them. That's just natural. But look, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I think they're going to hold most of Syracuse opponents to like 
24 or less. The defensive which, line is definitely doing a better job of, of taking up more space and, and engaging the offensive line more in a way that allows the linebackers to use their speed. And that's really where our pass rush is coming from, is that the defensive line is doing their job enough to allow the linebackers to really operate their pass rush. Yeah. And, and that's when you see Marlo Wax coming in like full steam ahead. Yeah. There's been one broken play in two weeks. And that that tells you all you need to know. And yeah. like I said, I, I really do see them as a team like holding most teams to in the twenties or even the teens. Yeah. Which might be the best gift they could give this offense where we're worried about the offensive line. Because I'll be honest, they might not have to score that much. I mean, I think I think it's pretty reasonable from what we've seen now to expect Syracuse to score in the twenties most weeks. Sure. I think that's a reasonable expectation. And I also think that the defense right now, I would say generally I'd expect to hold a team, like I said, like 24 or less or mid twenties or under most weeks. Yeah. You'll have a bad week that everybody has a bad week, but for the most part, I think these two groups match each other pretty well. This is a year where Syracuse has a, has a good offense Still some issues to deal with on the line, but overall a good offense, and you've got a great defense. And you know, it, and plus, you don't know, that defense can make more scores themselves, right? They can they get turnovers, create a short field, score themselves, and you can put yourself in a really good spot. I think Syracuse, after two weeks, is sitting, I think overall, in a really, really, really good spot. Yeah, I, I wish we knew a little more about who Virginia Tech was so far, because... Purdue put up a lot of yards on them, a lot of yards. They did. And I don't really know what to make of that right now, but I I do know it's going to be a test for the defense. It's going to be a real test. They put up a lot of yards on them, but then they only managed to pull 24, which, you know, it's, that strikes me as, yeah, you're getting yardage, but you're not finishing. That's, that's been our bread and butter for a long time when our defense has been good. It's like we may give up a lot of yards, but we don't don't always give up a lot of points. Yeah. So, look, let's uh, do stars and demerits for the Western Michigan game. I'll go ahead. Garrett Schrader, 19-30, 286, nine and a half average, a touchdown. Uh, you know, I mean, he un- – and then he had a running touchdown as well. Uh, just overall, a great game for uh, Garrett Schrader. He had 31 yards on the ground, so. Going to give a star to, to the unsung hero of the season so far, a guy who we haven't really noticed, and it's wonderful that we haven't really noticed him. Jack Stonehouse punted the ball four times on Saturday, and not one flew off the side of his foot into the bleachers. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I am going to give a demerit to the refereeing crew. Oh, Saturday. they talked a lot. They had to. They had to convene on every single call. Well, Holy! And specifically in the first half, they screwed up the down. Dino had to challenge the down. I've never heard that before. That, <laughs> how embarrassing is that to have to announce over the microphone that we're reviewing the the correct down? Yeah, they Syracuse. Um, they they incorrectly call. First, they called the offensive pass interference on Western Michigan. Then they said that, no, no, it was uh, it was behind the line of scrimmage. The catch was behind the line of scrimmage, so there was no offensive pass interference. Then they reviewed that because Dino challenged that, and it was three to four yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. Not even close. <laughs> then they backed them up the 15 yards and reset it to first down, and it was second down. Right. 
And and then after that play, and they were going to call it a second down, Dino had to challenge it so they could correct it to be a third down. Oh, my God. This is bad. This is bad. bad. It's embarrassing. You cannot be screwing up the downs. The fact, even, you know, besides that, the game was long enough as it was, but the fact that for some pretty simple, relatively uncontroversial calls, they had to get together and discuss it. And not just for a second, for a minute or two, several times. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was annoying. So, uh, yeah. Uh, still penalties. Still still too many dumb penalties. Yep. Yep. And that, that needs to fix. Uh, so let's look ahead. Syracuse heads on their first road trip of the year. They go to Purdue in West Lafayette, Indiana. 7.30 Eastern time kick on NBC. This is the new Big Ten Saturday night primetime game. Purdue, one and one. Uh, they lost to Fresno State in West Lafayette, 39-35, before beating Virginia Tech on the road, 24-17. That included a six-hour rain delay in the middle of the game. Uh, so uh, Purdue is a, a team that we don't know a lot about yet. Aiden O'Connell's gone. Uh, their main receiver from last year is gone. Now they have Hudson Card, who was at Texas. Solid player. He's 40-64 this season, so he's got a 62 and a half completion percentage 502 yards but only two touchdowns on all of that um he has 18 carries for 45 so he's not necessarily what you would call a a a ground threat uh this is a team that does spread it out a lot but nobody has what i would call gaudy numbers for purdue you have Dion burks 170 yards on five receptions Uh, abdur uh rahman yasim eight receptions for 104 uh max claire their tight end Keep an eye on him. He had 10 receptions. Uh, the main running back you're looking at, uh, Devin McCabe, 37 carries for 155 yards this season. Purdue averages 395 yards a game. I want to compare that. Syracuse averages 586.5 right now. <laughs> um, 251 through the air, 144 on the ground. But I think what's interesting here for Purdue, and it's going to be the story of the game, look at how much they've allowed against Fresno State, who's a solid team, and Virginia Tech, who's considered to be probably lower on the ACC totem pole, they allowed 300 – Purdue is on average allowing 386.5 yards, which I think is good news for Syracuse. That means Purdue not really dealing with a defensive juggernaut. They're better than the two defenses we faced, but I think – and they are averaging 323 yards in the air allowing. That is really good news, I think, for Garrett Schrader and this offense. Sure, yeah, um, I think this is this is gonna be a fun matchup, honestly, because both teams are facing the best team they will have played thus far, and both programs are trying to answer a lot of questions and really figure out who they are and where their season's going. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the matchup is primed for the offense to have a big day, and the defense to certainly be able to do enough to to keep us in it and give the offense a chance to do their thing. The the tough thing here is to me, the, the equaling factor here is you are playing prime time on a Saturday night in a big 10 stadium. And I don't care how good or not good that big 10 team is. That will be tough. Uh, Purdue is going to show up. You're going to have a massive fan base there and it's going to be loud and Syracuse is going to have to deal with something they haven't dealt with yet this year. And uh, we'll just have to see how everybody reacts to that. Does everybody hold on to the ball um, that 
should hold on to the ball? You know, does those silly mistakes that we talked about, do we have false starts that put us um, further back? I mean, it's going to be avoiding the silly mistakes when you're on the road. And it's that old thing. If you can, if you can have a first quarter somewhat like what you've had, you can quiet all that down pretty fast. If you can go out and be 17-7 or 20-7 or 20-10, you can quiet down that place real fast. And I think that's going to be really important for Syracuse. Not necessarily saying they're going to get to like 17-7, 20-10, but you know that's, that's your best scenario, right? You sure. go out and make a statement early, quiet the place down, and just play your game and make sure that you control it. Need Demarcus Adams to to give us one of his patented. Oh, he probably oh. should have fair caught it, but there he goes, and then boom, we're at the fifty. He was doing that again. He was doing that again on not Saturday. as egregiously as as against Colgate, but yeah, he's still making me nervous. Um, so defensively, uh, Purdue, you do have uh, uh, Dylan Tienemann, uh that you're going to have to watch out for. He has 17 tackles and two interceptions this season as a defensive back. Markevius Brown has 12 tackles and, and two linebackers. Uh, keep an eye on Nick Scourton, who has 11 tackles and a sack, and Kedron Jenkins, who has 10 tackles and two sacks. Those are the guys at this offensive line that are really going to have to lock down on, those two linebackers. They're going to be coming. And uh, I think after what one of those offensive linemen for Syracuse, I think it was Chris Blyke said, Chris Blyke, who got called for, what, four penalties in the first half? Yeah, he has not been good this year. Yeah, Chris Blyke uh, was saying, well, they're blitzing a lot. You know, this team blitzes a lot. And I'm like, well, thank you, Chris Blake, for saying that because now every single opponent, uh, all 10 left, are going to have logged that quote in and said, all right, well, I guess we're blitzing as much as we can because the line's going to have trouble with that. So I expect to see Purdue blitzing more than half the place because that apparently – and they've done well against the run. Hey, they only on blitzing. average allowed six. They're blitzing. Yards. Schrader's just got to buy a little time with his feet, like we talked about, and someone's open. If they're blitzing, someone's open. Yeah, and and that's what you're going to have to do. Uh, so let's make our score predictions here. So, uh, Kevin could not join us this week, but he did send a score proje- uh, projection into us. Syracuse thirty, Purdue twenty two. Go ahead, Joe. I'm going to let you go. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, and the more we talked, the more I felt even better about it. I think we score early, we score quick, and take the crowd out of it. And I think there'll be moments where we think Purdue's going to climb back into the game. But overall, I think this is going to be a good statement for us. And I'm going to say that Syracuse wins 34-17. to 17. Oh, that was the number. I had 34. Okay, so yes, I think as I watched back the game, and I look at the numbers, and I look how much Purdue's struggling in the air. Yeah, I had one number in my head before I looked at the Purdue numbers, right? I had, like, 31 or 34 to, like, 20-something. Now I look at those I look at those passing numbers that Purdue's been allowing, and I just think they're – I think that fits into our wheelhouse. So I'm going to say 34, and I'm going to say 34-20. 34-20, Syracuse beats Purdue. And, you know, the, the last thing I want to throw out there is coming into the year and in our first episode of this season, I was I was hard on, on one guy in particular who I want to give a shout-out. I believe I, I mentioned Jeremiah Wilson by name negatively before the Colgate game, and that kid's played his butt off so far this year. And, and he is a little undersized for an ACC corner, but 
he's played well and he and he's playing hard and it's been good to see and without you know without your Andre Cisco without your Melifonu without without your without your uh, Deuce Chestnut this this secondary doesn't have a star but it has a lot more depth than we've seen in a while they're 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 better top to bottom than we have been in a while there's not a steep drop off from your top couple yeah. of guys everyone's pretty good and and they're all playing well as a unit right now. And I think that's how I feel about the whole team. Sure. I, I really look at this team, and I'm trying to think to, like, the best teams that we've had since we've been there, right? So I'm thinking 2010, 2012, 2013, 2018, and last season. And they're definitely better than last year's team, I think. I, I think they strike me as that. You know, Last I, year's I, team very, very obviously overachieved in the first half. Not necessarily that they significantly underachieved in the second half. And I, I think right now I would say this team would beat the 2012 team. Okay. I, I, I am not going to say anything about 2018. I don't think 2018 had the depth of this, but I'm I think they 2012 had 2012 Big East co-champions. Yes. I, I think I think this team would beat 2012, 2010, and 2013. I cannot say this team is better than 2018 until much later in the season and we see a lot more. These teams are so much more athletic than the best Maroon teams we saw. They really are. And, and the 2018 team I don't think had necessarily the depth of this team, but they had an unbelievable lack of injuries. Oh, the, the 2018 team was yeah. an injury away from not even going to a bowl game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, yeah. And that's not what this is. Like this feels very, I will say this is the first time I feel looking at the team that we finally might be making a step up from where we were. Sure. Our we best might... player was on crutches and we didn't implode as a fan base we were upset we right. did not implode we might finally be stepping out of the basement into more of a middle tier thanks to the transfer portal thanks to the transfer portal absolutely that's what it is and you know what that might be our pl- i am fine if we can get ourselves we might actually finally and it's early be in the place where this we might be a that point we've wanted the program to get to to be a consistent in bowls raise the floor right the floor might finally be like around that six seven win number where we're a little safer now a a big injury could still affect that and and let's not this you know let's not get too ahead of ourselves but it does feel different this time because of how much talent seems to be on the team compared to even 2018 we're just noting in, in context of this brief conversation that Carlos Del Real Wilson didn't look real sharp in the time that he got either. So he could, didn't, but it could, could still be a Schrader injury away from the season being flipped upside down. But, but I think that might be the case with a lot of teams too. Sure. Sure. I, you know, I think, yes, there are teams in that top 20 to 25 that can just flip a switch and make the switch. But I think most teams, a major quarterback injury would hobble them. And, you know, on the flip side, you never know. Terrell Hunt never hurts his leg. Eric Dungey never plays. Right, exactly. So um, let's uh, – where was I going to go with this? Uh, so we made our picks. Oh, yes. Interesting thing I wanted to point out is the ESPN does a football power index. Oh, yes. And this 
is actually pretty good at predicting how seasons go. I, I know you're going to dive into the nitty gritty, but it's remarkable how favorable it, it got so quickly. Yeah. So the football power index, it's basically an algorithm that they shoot the stats and everything else into. And it just shoots out, you know, a ranking from one to 133. And worth noting, it, it does take into consideration who you have played so far. Yeah, it does. Right. It, it goes strength to schedule. And let's be clear. It gives Syracuse a really weak strength of schedule. I think we were like 131 or something like that. There's only 133 in FBS. So I don't know if that's based on so far or the whole thing, but I, I don't know. Point is, Syracuse is 20th in the football power index right now. The ESPN FPI is predicting Syracuse right now to finish 9-3. and three. I'd take that. And give Syracuse a 98% chance to get the six wins needed to go to a bowl, like 98.2 mm. or something. Nine like and that. three, that's like a Duke's Mayo Bowl or something good like that. I'd, I'd take that. Uh, Mayo baths for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then uh, it gave Syracuse a 9.1 or 9.4% chance of winning the ACC title. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because Florida State looks incredible. But it's nice to be in – 9% is not a – tiny percentage so i'll take that four percent chance for the playoff and a half a percent chance for the national championship game of course i highly doubt that will happen but it's nice to know that it still thinks we have a chance as small as it might be uh it's fun i'm glad i'm glad to see that the put it on a t-shirt now it doesn't get any better than this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but overall it just tells me that the computers look at us and say even though they played two beat-up games, they look good. So we'll Which see. brings us back to the original point. What we've done thus far against anybody is still somewhat impressive. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, let's take a look at what our opponents have done. Uh, so Colgate lost their second game. Uh, they went on the road to Villanova, lost 42-19. to Villanova, as you mentioned, Joe, one of the best teams in the FCS. Not necessarily a, a bad loss for Colgate there. Uh, as we mentioned, Purdue beat Virginia Tech on the road 24-17. That included a six-hour break due to rain. Uh, the Hokies uh, are sitting at 1-1, one and one, and the Hokies kind of regressed from that Old Dominion win back to a, a spot where I think we kind of more saw them being. It'll be interesting to see how they go from there. Army played their FCS opponent, Delaware State. They rolled 57 to nothing. Clemson, ranked 25th in the country, they beat Charleston Southern, their FCS opponent, 66-17. But what's interesting here is what they did in the first half. It was close. Halftime, it was 24-17 Clemson at the half against an FCS opponent. I, I know they did well in the second half. I still have a lot of questions about Clemson. They've got Florida Atlantic this week. That could be interesting. You never know. And then they've got Florida State in Clemson. I, I'm i very curious how the next two weeks go for the Tigers because, yes, 66-17, good ultimate result. I got real questions about what happened in that Right now game. you have to imagine that you're going to see Florida State running circles around them. Yeah, I, I, I still think Florida State's going to run circles around the whole conference. North Carolina, 17th in the country. They had to go to double overtime to beat Appalachian State 40-34. to I can't say that's surprising. This is what Appalachian State does. 
they go to an FBS program and they take you right to the edge if they don't beat you. They are an FBS program now. Uh, they are an FBS, right? Yeah. I know. I guess what I meant. They go to a Power Five program. And oh, sure. Um, yeah, Appalachian yeah, State. Yeah, they've been the Ameri- uh, um, conference. They're Sun Belt now. They've been in the Sun Belt for the last couple of years. They've been a good program longer than they've been an FBS team. Yeah, no. Uh, Appalachian State does this, so that doesn't really tell me much. I think North Carolina is still a, a solid team there. Florida State, fourth ranked in the country, sixty-six to thirteen over Southern Miss. Nothing more to say. They're they're gonna just run rough shot over everybody. Boston College struggles to beat Holy Cross, thirty-one twenty-eight. Boy, I I don't know the Eagles. I don't know. They look like two or three wins. Yeah, not not good they, so far. They're not, not good. good. Pitt loses at home to Cincinnati, twenty-seven twenty-one. Lot of questions at Pitt. Now Pitt does this at the beginning of the year every year. Did you ever notice this? Pitt drops some game that they really shouldn't drop. And this is no offense to Cincy, but you know Pitt was at home against the. You know this wasn't quite the Cincinnati of last year or two years ago, certainly. Uh, and losing twenty-seven twenty-one. Phil Jerkovich, who was at Boston College, and I wondered why Pitt brought him in. Pat Narduzzi was real high on him. Well, look at all the talent we have around him now. And you know what? Phil Jerkovich is still having the problems Phil Jerkovich has. And I just don't think he's the answer. And and I I don't know. Pitt strikes me right now as potentially very beatable. We'll see. Obviously, we, we don't play them until Veterans Day. So Lord knows how that's going to go. Yeah, the, but, we've seen Pitt in that amount of time go from a struggling team to a, a coastal competitor absolutely. or coastal winner. Yeah, exactly. And they don't have the Coastal Division now. They just have to try to get to number two in the conference, um, which they still can do, right? If you're going to lose, lose out of conference, right? And uh, But, yeah, Pitt, what's interesting here, one last thing, uh, the Pitt fans were billing, booing Phil Jerkovich, and Phil Jerkovich made the mistake of criticizing them booing, which will only make them boo more. I, uh, Georgia Tech wins big over their FCS opponent, South Carolina State, 48-13. Wake Forest, 36-20 to 20 win over Vanderbilt. So, uh, overall, decent week for the ACC. A lot of teams with a lot of questions yet, though. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out. Uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know. There are some teams that, that could go both ways right now. And I think that's probably, I guess, kind of typical in week two. So, believe it or not, that's all we have for the 111th episode of Three Idiots and a Lawyer. Now, we are going to be making a slight change to our podcast, and uh, that change is we're going to probably be changing to using Acast instead of Zencaster. Now, based on what we've read, this all should transfer just fine, and you can still get our podcast, but we will update you if somehow it's not working as well so that you can still find us because we would still like you to join us and uh, listen to us talk about Syracuse sports and, and uh, engage with us on X or on Facebook, three uh, IL pod on X, which will be there as long as that's there. Let's face it. We have no idea. And three idiots and a lawyer on Facebook. Engage with us. Tell us what do you think about this team? Do you do you think they're for real, or is this just kind of hey you beat up on two teams you were supposed to beat up on? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've got a mailbag. Uh, 
three idiots lawyer at gmail.com. Feel free to drop us a line. Let us know what you think uh, about Syracuse football and, and anything else you want to talk about. By the way, the soccer team's looking pretty good, too. They're ranked fourth in the country right now as they try to defend their national championship. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them also next week, just to kind of get you up to speed to where they're at. Um, but until next time, if you've got the 1990 NCAA Lacrosse Trophy, let us know. We just want to know that it's safe. For Joe Shell, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next week. <laughs>